Welcome to Students Incorporated, a podcast exploring the topics of business, education, technology, and design. I'm your host, Mr. Jason. Join me weekly as my team and I produce content that's informative, positive, fun, and uplifting. Episodes include student conversations, interviews with thought leaders, and inspirational stories with an international flavor. This podcast is created and produced with the help of students from the International Community School of Bangkok. Hello, I'm Mr. Jason, and I'll be your host today. I'm joined by co-hosts Premi and Rebecca. In this episode, we'll be doing another alumni-focused interview with a special guest who's now a Thai diplomat. His name is Mr. Harapun Prasuchai, or maybe some of you know him as Feifei. But before we get into our interview with Mr. Harapun, let's hear our quote of the day and get some positive headline political news. Our quote of the day comes from Gandhi. He said... In a gentle way, you can shake the world. This quote highlights the power of peaceful and nonviolent actions in affecting change. It suggests that even the smallest act of kindness and compassion have the potential to create a ripple effect and bring about significant transformations. And that's our quote of the day. And now, moving on to our new segment. Our first piece of political news comes from the United States. Now that the Iowa and the New Hampshire's primaries are over, Donald Trump is the Republican Party frontrunner in the 2024 presidential race. Several other popular Republican Party candidates have already dropped out of the race in order to give Trump the boost he needs to become the Republican's primary candidate. The next state Republican primary is close to the end of February, and it will be held in South Carolina. And here's, here's our second news piece. Taiwan's general election ended on January 13th. With Lai Ching-te being elected as the new president of Taiwan, amidst a fierce competition with the Chinese Nationalist Party and the Taiwan's People Party, Lai's party, the Democratic Progressive Party, was able to secure around 40% of the votes, but fell behind the Chinese Nationalist Party by one seat in the legislature. This means that while Lai has the top seat, there are still many obstacles when it comes to addressing the party's agendas. However, this election displayed Taiwan's democracy when it allowed the voice of the majority to be heard. And lastly, after 52 years of riding over Denmark, Queen Margaret II has abdicated the throne, leaving her eldest son, Frederick X, to ascend to the throne. It's also the first time a Danish monarch has abdicated the throne while still alive, as the tradition has been to carry the title for life. King Frederick's new motto is, United, committed for the kingdom of Denmark, and currently has a high approval rate amongst the people of Denmark. Thank you for the quote of the day and the headline news. In this first segment, we welcome Mr. Harapun, an ICS alumni who now serves as a Thai diplomat. We'll be discussing his journey from high school to university, then France, and then back to Thailand. Premi will start us off with our first question. Thank you so much for joining us again, Feifei. Could you please introduce yourself and let us know which ICS graduating class you are a part of? Yeah, it's my pleasure to be joining you guys. Uh, my name is Haripum Prasuchai, born by Fei in ICS, and I graduated from ICS class of 2017. Thank you. Can I ask a quick question? Are you keeping in contact with your classmates who graduated in your year? Yeah, actually, we meet almost every every other week, I think. We're pretty close. Our class is pretty close. I would meet for you know, lunch, dinner, whatever makes it, whatever's convenient for us. Um, 
yeah, so so we, we, we keep in contact. Sounds great. Our next get-to-know-you question is, out of all the cities you've lived in, which one has been your favorite? It's it's very it's very hard to pinpoint because all, all of the cities I've lived in have you know positive qualities and also negative qualities. But if I have to choose one, that is probably I'm gonna say Paris, um, because because the the city is so well designed, everything is so close to everything is so close to everything else. So you could just you know take the metro. To go from one place to another, it would take no less, no, no more than uh, ten minutes, and everything is just very. Uh, there's just so much art, so much, so much culture in the city, but of course, um, the negative side is that, as as you might have heard, um, there are a lot of there is a lot of theft. There, the city is not the cleanest um, in the world, and you do get some, as you know, as an Asian, as a Thai person in Paris, you do face a little bit of racism there. So. But I do love, I do love Bangkok and Washington DC as well. Mm, yeah, I think that's true because, like, like everything else, there's always positive and negative qualities. But I think definitely Paris, I'd love to visit one day. Like I've seen so many beautiful pictures. Okay, now let's see, let's see where this favorite food comes from. But from all of the places you lived in or visited, what's been some of your favorite foods outside of Thailand? As the thing is, you can get so many things out in Thailand. Like you can get so from everywhere in the world in thailand so it's i'm just i'm gonna go with something that you can't get in thailand um so one thing from paris is there's this thing called canet de sanazel which means um i think it's buckwheat pancake um it's, it's very you need like a special equipment to make it but it's very simple it's basically like a pancake and you put like egg ham and cheese on it it's very hard to find in thailand but it's very common in paris um, that's something I've been wanting to have for a very long time, but I haven't gone back to Paris since I left left Paris. So I do miss it, and I do want to well, want to eat it again. And probably uh, the other thing is lamb skewers from from China, from Beijing particularly. It tastes like it tastes like Middle Eastern food. It's very hard to get it here too, and it's something I've been wanting to eat for a long time. That sounds delicious. Actually, I'm from Beijing. I think I've tried it before. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you know Yang Rou Chuan, Yang Rou Chuan. Oh yeah, I know that. Yeah, I know yeah, that yeah. in Chinese. Yeah, it's, very, it's very hard to find it here. It's very yeah. hard to find. Like Chinese barbecue. Could you talk about your time here in ICS? How many years did you attend ICS, and what were some of your favorite classes and activities? My time here at ICS. So I I joined ICS in 2012. So I spent almost a little bit over five years in at ICS. On um, my favorite class, on um, I really liked I really liked AP Environmental Science. I don't know if you still have that. That was the first class that took it. It was the first year that was this class. Oh wow! And it was really it was it was really interesting because like we had to we we had to go out go outside and you know go to the clouds and kind of. Take a sample of the water and 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 see like how dirty it actually is.、Mm-hmm. So that was pretty interesting, and I think it's just like you know you you have so much talk about sustainability, about the environment, about you know climate change, and to be able to you know to to know what what people are talking about today, it's it's so important. So I think that's why like AP, 
Yeah, yeah we do still call it apes. It's one of it is my favorite class here. And the teacher was great at Dr. Steve, ICS uh, legend. Okay, after ICS, where did you study and what did you study? And what was the transition like? I went to school, I went to college in Washington, D.C. at uh, at Georgetown University. I studied um, international political economy and French. Uh, the transition, it was a little bit hard because even, even though I went to ICS International School, very American, um, actually being in the United States with um, with some actual Americans, the, the culture is still different. Like even though you know all your friends are all of my friends here at ICS are Thai Asian and mingling among American uh, well mostly Americans like it does take a lot of um, adapting you know you have to change the way you talk you have to be more you have to be more outgoing even though like I I, I think I consider myself an introvert but you still have to put yourself out there trying to be more expressive be more assertive because that's like how uh, how the culture is you mentioned studying international political economy in french at georgetown what was the experience like and what does political economy cover i think it's 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 very it's very diverse it's it's a very barbarous subject you you do need to know about you know politics about social studies history you have to know a little bit about everything and there's also a little, a little bit of math so i think that's that's what that's what i like but you don't get too deep in any of those. Like you're not, you're not too. You don't spend too much time on history. You don't spend too much time on social studies. Um, that it gives you like a complete picture of why each country does does what it does what it does. I think one question that we ask in political economy would be: Okay, why are some nations, why are some countries poor, and why are some countries rich? And is it because of decisions that leaders make? Is it because of the political system? Is it because of um, the policies that uh, that they choose to pursue? And that's kind of what political economy entails. Like you, you um, you look at the economy and you go back and you look at the main reason why the economy is is what it is. What was yeah. it like living in Washington D.C.? I liked it very much. But I, I'm going to say it's not for everyone. Because as you said, it's the center of U.S. or even like global power, so everyone's there for a reason. Everyone's there because of that. No one's, no one's actually. Well, very few people are from Washington D.C. So if you're, if that's what you're interested in, if you're interested in international relations and in politics and things of that nature, you will enjoy Washington D.C. because you'll rub on rough shoulders. You'll. you'll I haven't met Joe Biden, but people always say they'll they'll meet Joe Biden for ice cream. Oh. That's, like they, <laughs> That's they crazy. Would, was, um, or they would, you know, see Michelle Obama jogging. Like that—that's the kind of atmosphere you get. If you're not interested in that, that it's not that not that fun. And you know, during Thanksgiving or during like I don't know Christmas, no one is there. It's it's a dead city essentially. Oh wow. Yeah, that makes sense. I visited um, Washington D.C. like over the summer too, and I think over the summer like there were less people, and then I got to see like all the different places like Library of Congress, White House, and so so it was interesting. But yeah, I can definitely yeah. see like that's the vibe there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact that you're like a few a few meters, a few miles mm-hmm. away from that is it's it's a privilege. But yeah, that's how what you lie to spend. That right, it doesn't mean anything to you. 
Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Mm. Okay. How about this? What did you pursue after completing your degree at Georgetown? So right before I graduated, I did an internship at a firm called Reason Partners. And um, and that's because I, I spent my, my senior year in back in Bangkok because, uh-huh. because of COVID. Oh. Um, so after I graduated in Bangkok, uh, remotely, I, I returned, I, I returned to the firm and started my work as like a consultant for consultant in government affairs. And what it basically is, is we would have clients, customers who are from the private sector or like companies, like huge or uh, multinationals who would want to you know, build, build positive relationship with, with the Thai government. And we would kind of hold their hands, tell them like, okay, what's, what's, what's right. And what's, what, what is, what they should do, what they should say, or who they need to know about in, in the Thai government so that they don't make any like stupid mistakes because they're, they're foreigners. That's, that's kind of the gist of it. So that's what I did. All right. Thank you so much for sharing. And that ends our first main segment. And with that last question, we'll be right back to hear more right after this short announcement. One, two, three, four. Because of Thailand's large Chinese population, it comes as no surprise that the Chinese New Year is a major festival in Thailand. It is a lovely time when different communities come together, break bread, and wish each other good fortune for the year ahead. Streets are decorated in bright red with gorgeous Chinese paper lanterns hanging from above, and dragon dancers along the road. The day of the Chinese New Year varies each year depending on the Chinese lunar calendar. It generally falls in the month of January or February. This year, the Chinese New Year will be celebrated on the 10th of February, Saturday. You don't have to be ethnic Chinese to celebrate Chinese New Year. This holiday indeed holds great significance as a time to celebrate and unite with family. The festive traditions, delicious food, and joyous atmosphere make it a wonderful occasion to cherish moments with loved ones. We are back with part two. In this segment, we'll be getting some insight into Mr. Harapum's duties and responsibilities in his current role with the Thai government. Premi will get us started again. Welcome back, everyone. We left off with your internship, and you've mentioned living in Paris, right? Could you tell us a little bit about that or what you did after that internship and what brought you back to Thailand as well? Um, so the internship I did, it was actually in, in Thailand. And what brought me back to Thailand, it's actually just going, it's COVID since 2020. I was in France in 2020 during my exchange year there, and... When COVID started, uh, no one was sure what to do. No one was sure what it was. And um, and basically, my school just emailed me, saying, you need to leave Bangkok. You need to get, sorry, you need to leave Paris. Get out of there within 48 hours, or else your credits won't be transferred back to, essentially, I wouldn't be able to graduate in time. So that's why I had to book the next, I think the next two flights back to Bangkok. And, and that was kind of a shame because I had a lot of things planned, planned to do in France. That sounds stressing too. What was it like coming back to Thailand? What was that transition like for you personally and professionally? What was it like coming back to Thailand? I think first is my Thai got 
really bad. Okay, my tie was already not that great when I was in ICS. Like as you know, like the um, because you don't you don't do a lot of things in tie, so your tie really just um goes down, <laughs> goes to the toilet. So coming back to Thailand, like having to write things in Thai, having to talk in Thai was was a challenge. But but I think it's gotten so much better now after um, four years back here. But um, I think it's the same for me pers- professionally that I have to work in Thai now, and it's still like it's so it's still a learning process for me. And and coming back to Thailand, I think it's just how things you can't. A lot of things are still very unpredictable in Thailand. So previously, like you, you can plan, you can plan your trips. You can plan your trips um, very meticulously. Like, okay, I'm gonna take 20 minutes to go there, and it's pretty accurate. But now, like, nothing is nothing. It's it's better now, but not, not, nothing was predictable. So I had to live with a lot of like <laughs> uncertainties in my daily life when I'm back in Thailand in Bangkok. Yeah, honestly, I think that makes sense too with like somehow with like transportation. Like sometimes you don't yeah. know if there's traffic or there's no traffic. You could get there in like 20 minutes or an hour. So I think, but also yeah. like just like transitioning usually to it's like from like maybe like a Western culture to like an Asian culture. So there's that too. Hmm. We're super curious though. What, what's it like working for the Thai government now? Could you walk us through a day in your life as a Thai diplomat? So it's it's an exciting time to be part of the Thai government today, because you know I don't know if you I don't know how how closely you follow Thai politics, but we just had a new a new government, new prime minister, mm-hmm. and we're actually very eager to put ourselves back in the on the world map and basically telling the world like okay we're we're back we're back on track. We want to we want to get people to come to to like spend money to visit Thailand. Uh, for tourism or even like invest on in, invest in some factories in in thailand so it's it's an exciting time uh and it's great that i happen to be in the department of international economics so direct so so we're directly on kind of on in the front line a day as a, a day in my life as a thai diplomat it's i'm still in Bangkok, so it depends day by day so my, my main job would be to kind of synthesize aggregate information from um, from all over Thailand and bring us bring the information to say like ambassadors or our political leaders to meet with um, foreign leaders so they have you know a picture of how how Thai economic policy is and what we allow to sell to the world when we want to tell the world how as I said how we are open to business how we're like open to tourism what we're doing to make sure that um, the life of tourists are easier in Thailand, how the life of business people in in Thailand are easier. So um, I'm do I do a lot of writing in Thai and English, and I do a lot of researching researching the news and meeting people who are actually doing actual work in business or in um, driving the digital digital economy, for example. How do you think your educational experiences have shaped what you're doing today um it's it's very interesting that ICS you know back when I was in school I it, it kind of annoyed me that you know I have to do community service like we're always talking about <laughs> yeah capstone uh, community service like 
it's um it, it's a hope it's it's an assignment right you have to, it's just something you need to do but looking back i think it's a lot it has a lot of more impact on me because i think it's it's very important to think about what what and whom you are doing these things for like basically service right and i think on that kind of mindset really really shapes how how i chose my career and how i'm doing things today like i always think about okay who am i doing this for is this like and how is it impacting people and, and in my case it's in the government like how how is it how is it how it is out helping the people or like Thai, the Thai businesses or whatever you want to say. And I don't, I don't mean that like you have to work in the government, but there's always something like you, you want to ask, like, what am I doing this for? Who am I serving? If it's like customers or on the people or your, I don't know, your shareholders, whatever. I think that's really important. And at Georgetown, pretty much the same. Like we, we, we ask ourselves a lot about about service, about like on making, making the world a better place, but also on think about things from, from a lot of perspectives on from your own perspective, from like a national perspective, but also from like a global one. Yeah. It's really important to know other as well. Do you work with others in the Thai government with similar educational backgrounds like yourself? What's that working environment like? Yeah, uh, I think so. Uh, I guess because like you work in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, right? Um, a lot of people have graduated on um, international relations or political science. A lot of the discussions are very like lively. Like we talk about, we talk about current events. We talk about all of the conflicts that are happening in the world are um, are affecting the Thai economy or how we need to proceed with how we need to proceed with our uh, our policy or our strategy, for example. Huh, that's really cool. So, like, similar, like, um, educational experiences then, I would assume, like, yeah, yeah, we, international. Yeah, we, like, yeah, we did. Yeah. Some some did IB, some did AP, mm-hmm. and it's, it's still pretty similar. Huh, that's really cool. And that sounds, like, really fun, too, like, having discussions about, like, like current world events, like, with everything yeah. happening. And now, to close this segment, we like to ask each guest, and we like to end each guest interview with advice. So what advice would you give to those who desire to get into the government work? First, I, I do want to like broaden, broaden government work. Yeah. Out. Like it's, it's not just like, like working as a civil servant, but in a lot of cases, I think, you know, a lot of friends who want to be doctors, right? So at some point in life, if you want to be a doctor, then there is a chance that you, you're working for the government. Mm-hmm. And I think on um, one mindset that it, that would be really helpful to make your life uh, slightly like more livable, less miserable is that there's always like an aspect of yeah public service right and if you don't have that in mind then it's gonna be tough because if, say if you're a diplomat um a lot of things are 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 things of national importance and um it is going to happen like regardless like it's non-negotiable it, it is going to happen so it requires a lot of like working outside of regular hours right. and I think it's it's the same if you're like if you want to be a doctor mm-hmm. like you do have to work uh around patients emergency things that are outside of control so it's really helpful if you do have like a mind of like well, you're helping people this is something that you you need to do 
or else there or else like it's going to be very hard and it's going to be emotionally toiling and physically physically um tiring as well so yeah having having the right mindset of what, what you're getting into and if if like that's not that's not what that's not what someone wants to do that that it's fine right it's just that maybe government work is not right it's not, right it's, it's not right for you yeah absolutely i agree it just i think it also depends on like what you want but also like to restate what you said earlier like knowing yeah. what you're doing and who you're doing it for is definitely important yeah well thank you so much for joining us today thank you thank you for for your time thank you mr harpoon for your time and insight and for sharing your journey with us i go back to our quote of the day from gandhi who said in a gentle way you can shake the world and getting into politics and government work may allow you to do this As we end this episode, we are reminded that everyone's path is different and that we can learn from each other's journey, especially from those who've come before us. And as always, this podcast would not be possible without the hard work and support of our international student production team. All music and sound effects are courtesy of Pixabay.com, a vibrant community of creatives sharing copyright-free images, videos, and music. And we are signing off until next time. We are Students Incorporated, because your voice matters. <laughs>